welcome back (laughs) welcome back to the pursuit of the outdoors podcast i am your host john feeney and we are here for episode 26 and we've got a interview to do today um i'm very pleased to be chatting with paul goodsell you might know him as paul g the moderator of one of uh, Australia and New Zealand's biggest uh, hiking Facebook groups. I think last time I checked, they had under 30, just under 32,000 people in the group and it's growing every day. And I'm lucky enough to have him on here today to chat about his origin stories with hiking, um, his uh, involvement in the industry and what he's been up to. So, Paul, thank you very much for coming on onto the podcast. Thank you for having me, John. No worries. In this uh, unprecedented time, as we uh, everyone keeps referring to in these quarantine isolation days, um, it's still good that we can uh, you know, still connect and still talk about hiking, I think, which I think is keeping everyone from going insane, given we can't get out there much. Exactly. It'll be nice, a nice chat for a hike, I reckon, but uh, we'll do it over, over the phone instead. Absolutely. So... Um, we've known each other for a few years. I think we first connected over social media and actually, no, I tell a lie. It wasn't social media. I think the first time you and I connected was when you were working at Snowy's and I was writing, first started writing the blog for the hiking society. I wanted to get my stuff out there. I found you guys. I found you. I approached you. Can I please write an article? You said yes. And then I think that just sort of snowballed from there, which sort of like, you know, touch base here and there. But, um, tell me about your origin story with hiking. Where did it all begin for you? Oh, I, I was actually thinking about this before the call and I'm like, oh, wow, I can't believe I'm saying that. But over 20 years ago, I don't think I've ever done anything for more than 20 years. Well, other wow. than lift, of course. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, it was over 20 years ago. So I, I would have been 14 or 15. Um, so a kid and, and I lived in the southern part of, uh, of Adelaide. So near the Onkapringa Gorge. Um, and I was really into fishing and I, I, I hadn't really done much hiking, but um I was in, into fly fishing in particular. So, um, you know, I'd done all this reading and realized there were trout and redfin up in the gorge. So up I went, you know, up in, into the Onkabringa Gorge National Park and um, did some fly fishing up there and soon realized that it was the actual walking to the, to the, to the pool kind of aspect of it that I enjoyed most. And, you know, for a few years, I, I continued to fish and hike. And, and then, you know, after a little while, it became more of a hiking thing than a fishing thing. So, uh, you know, going, going back 20 years now. So basically the end was obviously fishing, but the means was what really interested the most. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, just where some of this fishing actually took me. So, um, you know, uh, I, I've traveled around various parts of, um, of South Australia, you know, mum would drop me off occasionally to, to the likes of the Onk or up, up to the Torrens river gorge or whatever. Um, and, you know, I'd catch the bus sometimes and I just sort of wanted to get out there. And um, yeah, you know, it, it started as a fishing story and I realized that took me to some really beautiful spots. And then it just became more of a let's charge on and sort of spend less time in the river and, and sort of see what else is out there. And what's one of the things you learnt, um almost immediately by going hiking? Like, I feel like regardless if it's your first day hike or you've been doing a couple or an overnight, there's always something to learn, whether it be really small uh, versus maybe something you know, significantly better, bigger if you happen to get lost or whatever. What's something that you learnt yourself? Uh, on Capringa Gorge, uh, if you see a snake, uh, don't run. <laughs> yep, so, that was um, a good one. <laughs> I, I, 
I, I reckon I've seen more snakes, so red bellies and and some browns. So red bellies obviously near the near the water and um and browns sort of uh, in other parts. But I reckon I've seen more snakes up in the Onkaparinga Gorge than I have anywhere else in Australia. Um, and I, you know what, I haven't hiked extensively around Australia, but um, you know, in the parts of Victoria and South Australia that I've hiked, um. And yeah, you know some of those early sort of exchanges with uh, with those reds and those those browns, um, you know, really taught me to you know on how how to handle the situation, I suppose. So um, especially as a young tacker, you know, fourteen or fifteen, sort of seeing a bloody big brown snake in front of you, um, you know, you kind of you look back at that advice or that information that you read and you you sort of heed it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny, like um, you know. I've been strangely fortunate that even in my sort of five, six years of hiking, like I haven't seen many snakes, but I know people who see them like quite regularly, but it's really interesting. Everyone's mentality is, and I don't know whether it's just because of pop culture or whatever, what we're taught as kids, but we're all taught to be fearful of snakes and for obvious reasons. But as I always say to people, um, they're actually more scared of you than you are of them. So just wide berth and, you know, you'll be totally fine. Um, but yeah, just, you know, just treat them with the respect um obviously if they were there first you know all that sort of stuff but uh yeah it's really interesting people's um mentalities when it comes to to snakes so all right so adelaide is where it all started obviously that's where you're from uh how long did it take you to do your first overnight hike oh i think that's a big one right yeah yeah so you know for me in those early days it was you know a couple of hours here and there so short hikes um you know I, i think there was a patch there as well where I got preoccupied by other things and I wasn't out there very much. So it was kind of in my early twenties again, that I really started to get into it. Um, and you know, where was I? Um, yeah. So that, that was again, day hiking up to places like Mount Lofty and, and um, that's the South Australian Mount Lofty um, and Morialta and Parawira and these national parks, not far from Adelaide. Um, my first overnighter, I reckon, uh, oh, Shit. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast, yeah, by the way, John? That's fine. <laughs> Shit's okay. Else, um, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, if I reckon, so I, I camped a bit as a kid and yeah. I camped a bit in my late 20s, so especially up around the Murray River, but I don't know if I did any overnighters. I think my first overnighter was actually my first trip to New Zealand. So Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I went from... I went from being this quiet, you know, a season sort of day hiker to going out and doing the Travis Sabine for the first time. So, um, Far out. but yeah, I'm pretty sure that was it. <laughs> so I jumped straight in the deep end. I don't know, you know, obviously there's a lot of discussion in the group about, yeah. um, you know, how you should sort of ease into it, but, uh, I don't really know if I sort of followed that uh, process and yeah, I'm pretty sure that was it. I would camped a lot. So I knew how to camp. Yep. Uh, I, I knew how to hike. Um, I didn't have any backcountry experience, but yeah, that was the first yeah. one. I was gonna say, that's pretty wild. Like, New Zealand, beautiful country. I think you and I have both got a, a small obsession with it, but mm-hmm. it can be a very harsh and unforgiving country. There's so many people that have been lost or unfortunately perished um, for bad decisions or wrong decisions or what do you want to call it. But to do that for your first overnight hike, was there, were you worried, scared, confident? You know, you go, nah, I'm all good. I've done a lot of camping. It's just translating that from here in, in South Australia over to, to New Zealand. Like, what, what were you thinking there? Yeah, what was I thinking? Indeed, um, <laughs> you know. What I mean. um, yeah, but no, it was. I'm. I, I research everything into to the ends of um of what's possible, and and I, I felt I felt confident. Um, you know, so the Travis Sabine for those 
know it, um, you know, you're pretty much staying in a hut each night. The most challenging section is uh, is the section above Upper Travers and crossing Travers Saddle and then down into West Sabine and, um, and the West Sabine Hut. Um, I, you know, that was kind of something I'd never experienced before. But, you know, the general sort of day-to-day um, on the Travers side, the Sabines that are walking through the beach forest valleys and the like, um, you know, I, I felt comfortable, comfortable and confident. And I didn't push myself and... And I knew that, you know, if it all became too much, I could always sort of just turn around and, and you know, avoid those sort of more challenging sections. So I think for me, it was the fact that I, I, I had backed myself, of course, but I wasn't going to put myself completely out of my comfort zone and do anything stupid. And I had a, had a solid understanding from speaking with people. I think the forum of choice back in those days, because it was 2016, yep. was um, the, Lo- the Lonely Planet Travelers Forum. Um, that's where I sort of went for a lot of advice and the like. And I think there was tramper.co.nz as well yep, around right. during yep. those times. That's a good one. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of researched it as much as I could. And the inspiration behind that track, by the way, was or that trip was um, was a river somewhere. Oh, so yeah, yeah. You're familiar with that, yeah, yeah, that great show. Rob Sitch, the, yep. the, fly fish, the fly fishing show with Rob Sitch and Tom Glyce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they went up the Derbal uh, River. And uh, so Nelson, that's in Nelson Lakes National Park as well. That's on the other, it's across the range from um, from the Sabine. And I originally went out to do the Sabine Derbal. Um, but, you know, I was going to, going to get a water taxi out to the trailhead and all of that, and they didn't have enough bookings and it was going to be so expensive. So because I was in St. Arden and that's where the Travis Sabine track starts, so I decided to, to just do that instead. Um, so that was the inspiration behind it, you know, seeing them fly fish up the Derville River. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I spent a lot of time sort of preparing myself and, and researching and, you know, obviously pack training and all of that beforehand because that was my first sort of go at carrying a really heavy pack. And man, it was a heavy pack in those days. So, um, but uh, yeah, that's sort of where it all began. And, uh, and you know, here we are today. Unreal. And have you been back since? Because I feel like whether it's a day hike or an overnight or whatever, there's that first one um, obviously holds a you know special spot in your hiking journey. Like I know for me, the first serious day hike I ever did was the um, Sherbrooke Falls Loop up in the Dandenong Ranges. And with the meetup group, yeah. I'd go back there regularly. But is that... Um, is the Travis Sabine uh, Sabine something you've done regularly or is it just that once off or? No, no. So I've done it a few times, but this is the thing, like New Zealand's such a big and well, it's not a big place, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a a beautiful place with all of these, there's a lot to do, but I have, because I've been back to New Zealand. Well, I've been there four or five times now. I've gone back a couple of times to that area. You know, that's my special place in the world, I think. So, uh, so I did it back in 2016. I went back in 2000 and, um, uh, no, sorry, 2006. I went back in 2009, I think. Um, and then 10 and, and, and 14, but, um, to the Travis Sabine, I, I, I've done it twice in its entirety. Um, and then once as a bit of a half thing. So that was on my latest trip and my last trip over to New Zealand back in 2014, um, the weather wasn't great. So there was a, a lot of fresh snow up on the tops and the like. So um, I was in St. Arnold and those who have been into the Nelson Lakes National Park know that it's a bit hard to get to, especially if you're not driving. Yep. Um, so I caught the bus up from uh, Christchurch across to Nelson and then down from Nelson into St. Arnold. And that's a bus that runs every like Tuesday or something like that. So I was there and I was kind of stuck. So I had to do something. So, um, uh, and I knew the weather wasn't looking great, but there was some alternative tracks through, of course, so I just pushed up the Travers Valley, um, you know, did it over five or six days, you know, stayed in in the Lake Head Hut and John Tate and up in Upper Travers for a couple of nights and, um, you know, just made it a, just 
took my time, you know, read lots of books um, and chilled out, drank, drank some port. And it was just a really chilled out and, and so adventurous hike up the valley. So um, Wait, that, that was the last real. trip. And yeah, it's, it was fantastic. Like uh, one of my, the highlights of that trip was the fact that um, I remember waking up, I was, it was the first night in Upper Travers and there were these two German guys who were doing the Tauroa track all the way from the North to the South Island. Yep. Um, and th- I, w- I woke up, um, woke up on my bunk and I heard this kind of water dribbling outside. I'm like, what's that? There's no streams here. The stream is sort of basin. Um, and there was snow melt. So the, overnight it had snowed heavily. Um, and there was a little stream that had been formed from the snow melt behind the, behind the hut. That's um, so suffice to say that day we couldn't really sort of push on, um, couldn't push on up over the saddle, yep. couldn't really leave and, and head downstream again. So I spent an extra day in, in upper Travis hut and built snowmen and gathered firewood yeah. and had snowball fights and did all that kind of did all that kind of kitsch stuff so no good fun but isn't that cool though like you, I mean, no one ever wants to be um derailed or held back for the, the the trip and the plan they had but at least that you were like all right you had to um to stay put for obvious reasons but at least you had all this like wonderful scenery you had all this snow that you probably weren't expecting to get anyway and you at least had had something to do like i think that's probably like the beauty of the outdoors if your plan's don't go according to plan. Um, there's potentially always something to do. It allows you to explore your surroundings a little bit more yeah. or see a little bit more or yeah, do a little bit, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I think that's kind of like a bit of a trade, a really good trade-off. And, and that's the thing. I think we can get a bit philosophical about this and sort of say and, and think to slow down a bit when you, you're out there because yeah. often when you're on a multi-day hike more so than a day hike, yep. let's say, um, or a shorter hike, um, you know, when you're on that multi-day hike, it's all about getting from point to point, you know? Um, so this uh, leg between this hut or this campsite and, and this other campsite might be, you know, six or seven hours. Um, you know, you, you can't, you've got a time limit at play, you know, you, you really have to be a little bit um, careful about how you use your time. You don't have the, the flexibility to just sort of slow it down and just kind of go at your own pace. Um, and that's the thing. A lot of people are sort of, you know, they're, they're quite gung-ho and I'm the sort of person who likes to have long breaks along yeah. the way and sort of stop and sort of look back over the, the area that I've just walked over and smell the roses. Exactly. So, you know, um, I think the first time I did the Travis Sabine, I, it, you know, it's traditionally a five to six um, day hike. I think I did it over seven or eight yeah, just right. so I could sit. And, and because it was my first, uh, my first multi-day, that was sensible yep. as well. Um, so I built in contingency for the weather. But um, it allowed me again to sort of slow it down and sort of take take it in. And hey, that's probably what got me back there uh, um, several times. You know, the fact that I'd, you know, really grown to appreciate the, the the track in the area. Excellent. All right, so that's origin story about how it all started for you. Tell me about Snowies, how you got into it, why you got into it, and you know, yeah, the the general backstory of that. Okay, Snowies. When was that? You know, that was only what five or six years ago i reckon yep. so um in recent history um so i, I my background is in marketing and e-commerce as you know yep. um i was at the time i was working for a uh, an indie magazine um in the permaculture space so which is all about sustainable living and things like that which is really interesting to me um so i was working in a marketing and advertising role with them and then i, I think it was the actual in the advertiser and, and i'd known stories up until then of course i'd bought gear there because yep. you know they're they're the the independent place to go in Adelaide um, and they're very good online. Um, and I actually saw um, it, it was a friend of mine who'd uh, taken a photo of, um, of an ad in the paper for this position as 
um, oh, I forget what it was, content writer at Snowy's Outdoors. And I'm like, this is my dream job. Like, you know, because I, I, I had a few, several years of ex- marketing experience uh, under my belt by that stage. And, um, and, you know, I did a lot of writing and I'd run a few blogs and what have you. And it just seemed like the dream position. Um, and that's what got me in the door at Snowy's. Unreal. And, I th- and as, as I mentioned before, I think the, the first time you and I came into contact was, I think I was pitching for a, a bit of content to, you know, extend the SEO and et cetera on my blog. Um, yep. How long did it take for you to get into that role when you were just, so you've gone from being a content writer to, yep. I think when I met you it was digital marketing or content coordinator or something along those lines. I think you were just writing content for the website, but you're also fielding stories or content from other writers. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So it was sort of, I think the title by the end was content marketing manager or something like yep. that. So digital marketing manager. So I was pretty much responsible yep. for um, all of the digital channels. Um, so yeah, yeah. I became in what was essence, the editor of the Snowy's blog. Um, you know, a lot of Snowy's Outdoors, um, you know, attracts most of its its customers via the blog and via its, um, you know, via its search engine um, listings. Yep. So, um, so yeah, yeah. Um, I, I pretty much had full responsibility over the blog at that stage. And we had, you know, maybe a dozen freelancers writing for us and we were publishing, you know, three or four articles a week. So it became a bit of a content machine. Um, and yeah, we had a, a real diversity in writers as well. There was lots of full drivers, lots of outback adventurers and campers and caravanners and the likes. Um, those that know Snowy know that it's, you know, it's not a hiking um, retailer foremost. They're sort of more in camping, car camping and things like that. Um, but yeah, we, we really wanted to sort of get more hiking content on there. So that's sort of where I think you and I crossed paths and, and uh, you did some some work for us and it added a bit of, a, added a bit of diversity to it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I loved that role and yeah. I loved that aspect of the role. It was the fact that, you know, and, and we'll get to this more later on, yep. but this is sort of what gave, gave way for the group. Um, but, you know, my day-to-day at Snowy's was being surrounded by people that were passionate about camping and hiking and um, not just my colleagues, but the writers um, that I would sort of work with. You know, I'd get a call and it'd be from one of our full drive adventurers telling me that he was about to go on a trip up the Udna Data track mm. and whether he wanted uh, wanted me to, to write a piece on it and take some photos and the like and um, whether there was any gear that, that we needed testing or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, just here... Yeah, yeah, hearing these stories, you know, before yeah. they happen and then sort of reading them after they have. And, you know, that was that was my, my job. It was fantastic. And is that something you pitched to your report managers or whatnot? Or is that something that kind of was there but wasn't really done very well? So you were using your expertise in marketing and obviously your knowledge of hiking and, and whatnot to, to scale that? Yeah, yeah, it was sort of, it was about building that asset out. So, um, you know, it, 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 there, were, there was a, a pretty basic blog and there was a lot of content going through it back in the old days, but, you know, it, it needed sort of tidying up and, and structure, I suppose. So, and then it was taking that that content and sort of getting it in front of people, you know, through email and social media and the like, and sort of building more of a community around that content. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that was something that I, I pushed for and I, I pitched. And, um, you know, if you look at the Snowy's blog today, you can still see my mug on there from time nice. to time, some of the old pieces that I wrote yep. and maybe a few that you've written. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just this, uh, you know, it's a great resource, uh, re- regardless of what sort of outdoor adventuring that you're into. Do you do any writing for them? I mean, you were there for a couple of years. You've since yep. left. Do you do any writing for them these days or have you done any writing Not- for them since you left? 
No, I haven't. I keep meaning to reach out to, yeah. to Lane and the team and, yep. and, and pitching a few ideas to them. But yep. I guess I've been sort of tied up with my own thing of late. So Absolutely. <laughs> but, um, but we'll get to that. But, you know, I, yep. it's a, it's, that's a good reminder I should because yeah. I've got a few ideas that have been bubbling around. Um, I actually stumbled, inadvertently stumbled across a, an article I wrote on bike touring the other day. Bike so touring. That's something I'd, bike touring, which, you know, it's kind of like hiking but on wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, you know it's so it's yeah they put out all sorts of stuff. So I've gone from snowies. You've then gone into non sort of hiking related jobs, but you know mostly the digital marketing stuff, the ecom stuff. Like I know you you know you're working. Uh, but obviously hiking's still a big thing for you, uh, which then prompted you to start a hiking Facebook group. So tell us about that. What was the reason why you started it? And uh, I suppose talk about where it was then to what it is today. Sure, sure. So it was back in the snowies days that I uh, that I created it. So oh, okay. um, So we were looking, I think we were just, back then the, the, the main hiking forum, I guess, was bushwalk.com. Yep. And that bushwalk.com is still around today, of course. Um, and that's a great resource as well. But um, we were sort of toying around with the idea of actually um, building a forum. Um, but my idea was like, okay, you know, people are already on social media. So kind of like meet them where they are rather than, you know, sending them off to some other website um, and trying to build something fresh. So I, I was in my own time. So it was a bit of a side project. I just sort of started playing around with um, Facebook groups and, you know, getting understanding all the features and, and how to manage it and how to build an audience and the like. Um, and it sort of never, never really did anything with it. It just sort of petered out. Um, and it was after I left Snowy's um, and moved into a different industry. So, you know, not as closely tied to hiking anymore that I sort of, sort of, sort of started to put some effort into it again um, because I wanted to reconnect with the hiking community. When I was at Snowy's, I was surrounded by hikers and campers. Um, I was on the phone and emailing with them every day, you know, through my involvement with the Snowy's blog. Yep. Um, you know, I was connected to the, to the community. Um, but when I, um, when I left Snowy's, I was sort of, um, you know, out my own and still hiking and all of that, but, you know, I just didn't have that community connection anymore. So I thought, okay, you know, now's the time to sort of, um, do something with the group and, and maybe sort of build that community. Um, and, you know, here we are four or so years down the track. Um, and you know, it is what it is now, you know, which is, as you said earlier, almost 32,000, yeah, uh, a 32,000 member community. Yeah. So it's grown into something quite large. Because I'm. I think what was its original name? Because now it's hiking. Is it hiking in Australia, New Zealand, or is it? Because there's a few iterations, isn't there? There, there was. Um, so I think it started as hiking and bushwalking in Australia, and the reason why I did that was so we had the two keywords in there, <laughs> just yep. to kind of cover two bases. Yep. Um, then it became, I think, a few people had kind of reached out or had um, uh, written in the in the feed that you know that why not sort of expand it to New Zealand as yeah, well, because um, we were getting quite a lot of New Zealand content and it was more so Australians talking about New Zealand yeah. uh, rather than actual New Zealand's uh, New Zealanders sort of talking about New Zealand or sort of asking questions about New Zealand. Yep. So I thought, yeah, why not? Because um, there didn't seem to be much in the space. There was a few other groups around the place um, that were New Zealand centric, but. Um, you know, there was quite a few New Zealand members by this stage. So, uh, so yeah, I forget when we changed it to uh, hiking in Australia and New Zealand, but, um, you know, it was in the last couple of years, I reckon. And I think I, I seem to remember there was hiking, bushwalking, 
and tramping in Australia and New Zealand? Like, it was a bit of a mouthful at one point. Did yeah. I? Was it really cool that at some point? I swear oh, there was tramping a dude. Like, I, I don't <laughs> even know if there wasn't. Like, I don't know. Like, it was all... I mean, you're a very inclusive person, so it makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> I, actually, I, I think you're right, because it was... Um, it was hiking and bushwalking, and then in parentheses, uh, yeah. cramping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure and, there would have been someone who's contacted you said, oh, yes, hiking's American, bushwalking's Australia, but if you're going to have a New Zealand group, it's got to include tramping, right? Which I think makes sense. Like, that's, you know. Exactly. And that's quite a debate, isn't it? The hiking versus bushwalking debate. So, uh, you know, maybe we can uh, we can cover that off at some that's stage. That's a podcast <laughs> in itself, and it's a constant question that people ask. But yeah, that's a, that's, that's a chat for another time, I think. So, Uh Um, numbers, obviously quantity is one thing. So you got all these numbers, but what's your perception of the quality of the group? Um, it's a quality group and, you know, the feedback that comes in most of the time is that, you know, um, people really enjoy it. So we have our ups and downs as, as some of you have experienced, there's often things that get out of hand, but, you know, I think we've, uh, you know, continued to, to uh, build it as a, as a positive and, and sort of relatively happy place, um, a place that's helpful, a place that's educational. Uh, the, the cheesy sort of summary that I tend to, to give it is that it's a place to kind of inspire and be inspired. What I mean yeah, by that is on. you go, you inspire by sharing your stories, by sharing your photos, by sharing your, your knowledge. Um, and that kind of motivates and, and inspires people to get out there and to do things. Um, and equally, um, you're inspired by um, by sort of, you know, um, receiving that motivation and going in there and sort of you might be a beginner who hasn't done their first overnight hike. And, um, you know, you, you've got the motivation now to sort of do it after after having a chat or, you know, you've seen those photos from that, you know, beautiful track, uh, you know, the restart in New Zealand that you didn't know was there. And, and you know, yeah. you really want to get out there and aim for that now. It's on your bucket list. So that's the the inspirational part of it, I suppose. So that's what it's there for. You know, it's, it's there for us to kind of, to share and to, and to, and to, and to, you know, be inspired. And I think that's one thing that I feel Facebook, because you and I both know, and a lot of people might not know this, but there's obviously a difference between a page and a group. A group can be private or public. Uh, pages are typically public, but I think the one thing that groups might have over pages is that, everyone can post. So it's not just you and the moderators well, on a page, like mm-hmm. for instance, my page, I'm the only one who can post. Other people can comment and whatnot and start a discussion. That's really good. But in terms of creating that really, I think the word community is you know, what it actually is and a hiking community both here in Australia and in New Zealand. But I think the one thing it has is that everyone can put something up. So, uh, you know, obviously one of the biggest questions that everyone asks in that group is about hiking boots and, that creates all sorts of stuff, you know. If it ha- if it hasn't been said in in two weeks, and it hasn't been said, like it's it, it's an odd thing that it hasn't been asked in two weeks, right? Um, particularly with that yeah. many people. So I think it's it's very much the, it's two way conversation on another level. Like I can post yeah. something even I'm a moderator, but when I wasn't a moderator, I could post something and then people go back and forth and have their own little side discussions. It's very much that real sense of community that I think while pages do have that, it's just that little bit step up. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. As you say, a page is pretty much a, a business or a, or an organization publishing stuff that you can comment to. And, and of course, as you know, being in the marketing space as well, you know, not many see people see that 
sort of content. So when a business publishes um, something organically, yeah. um, you know, not many people are, are going to see not it. Not everyone, yeah. Um, whereas with this, you know, it's pe- people have opted into the group. Um, and I think one of the default settings is you get notifications if you when you opt in and when you join the group. So so it's constantly there in your feed. And, yep. and you know, I think the fact that it keeps growing and there's just so much conversation shows that people really enjoy having uh, having this connection. They, they enjoy having, um, you know, this is what people are increasingly using Facebook for. It's yeah. not... It's not just to sort of see what their friends are posting. It's um, and and that kind of thing, but it's more so actually joining these communities and actually getting information and having having conversation and making friends. And so you know, you had the the idea of what it wanted, what you wanted it to be at the start. Has that changed at all mm. in the last sort of four years? Like, is there are you wanting to take it somewhere else? Are you happy to let it just run its course and just keep going as it is, or like, what is it that you want to do with it? Yeah, I, I think it's it's great how it is. Um, I, I've always said, and this is where it gets a bit controversial, that I'd love to be able to have some open discussions, some open debates around some topics in the group. But we have seen that that doesn't work because people have very different opinions and it tends to get, um, it can be get pretty nasty. And yeah. fortunately, it hasn't really ever gotten too nasty and us moderators work very hard to keep it in, uh, yeah, to keep it in order. Um, but <laughs> but um you know, I'd, I'd love to have, because I'm, I don't know, I, I studied philosophy at university many years ago, and um, I, I love to have a debate, and, you know, um, there's good debate and bad debate, and, and you know, with just such a diverse range of people and opinions, it's it's quite hard to sort of do that in a constructive way, um, but, you know, I've got, you know, I want to keep it as it is, you know, I think it, it's evolved into what it is uh, through its members and, and, um, and through itself, um, but there's certainly some some things that I'm wanting to to sort of work on and, um, you know, kind of some conversations that I want to drive a little bit more. And I've mentioned this in the past and I've got to get around to it someday. I've just been quite busy. But that's sort of actually having some experts come in and actually yep. sort of do do like ask me anything kind of yeah. um, kind of kind of pieces. So, you know, be that a, a podiatrist who specials in uh, specializes in in in, you know, um, um, sports podiatry or whatever, yep. or maybe you know a, a snake handler, so they can answer all the questions, um, or a snake catcher who, who can answer all the questions about um, about snake bites and how to how to kind of um, react when you see a snake and those kind of things. So getting some experts oh, yeah. in to sort of share a different perspective. So yeah. we've got we've got the hive mind kind of there sharing their views, but you know there's some areas that we could really drill down on and all kind of learn something. I think. Yeah, and I think that's the point. Like everyone's got an opinion on things, and I think. Um, yeah, they're, they're all valuable in their own way. But if you can get an, an expert in who, as you said, is a, a sports podiatrist or snake handler or a catcher or whatever you want to call it, I think it just adds more value to the group. Like people know that once a month there's going to be someone, uh, an expert in something is going to be in the group and, as you said, an ask me anything kind of format. I think that just, just further adds to it and people can really... And I, I think that's the biggest thing I take away from the whole group is... There's so much expertise in that, whether you're a professional snake catcher or not, or or something, or you've been hiking for 20 years. Like I'm a firm believer, there's no such thing as an expert hiker, but there's always someone who has been at it longer and can share that knowledge with you. And you know, and you're right, some of those passionate debates do get out of control, and you know, comments have to be shut down and threads are deleted and all that sort of stuff. But I think the the flip side of that is it just shows how passionate the hiking community is, whether it be in Victoria or Australia-wide and New Zealand as well. It just shows how passionate people are about certain topics and how involved in it. Like, 
it's, it's really interesting. The only other time I've ever really seen that in any of the little circles I've moved in is, mm. apart from maybe Australian rule of football, is probably... I was going to say, footy, footy surely is up Yeah, football, well, yeah. <laughs> but, but I suppose these sort of like outdoor recreation activities would have to be trail running. Like people are just right, so right. passionate. Like it's, it's literally, I'm telling you now, it's literally the same community, but just one's yep. running and one's walking. But they go to the same places and they talk about the same stuff and all that. But it's just, everyone's so passionate about it. Um, good, bad, or otherwise. It's just both communities are really fun and good to be a part of and you know, lots of similarities. And I think, yeah, as I said, like the passionate side, it can be a bit of a downer because you do as they get those negative debates, but at the same time, you'd really get some, you know, some thoughtful discussions. And, you know, personally, I, I can't commend you enough for trying to drive that sort of um, positive discussions and positive um, outlooks on things. And I mean, I had... 6,000 people in a meetup group and that was hard enough. You've got 32,000 mm-hmm. people with 32,000 different opinions who all exactly. want different things and it, for the most part, I think like in anything in life where there's a, a downside to it, it's it's the minority that kind of drives that sort of negativity whereas the majority of the group are absolutely fine. They're all very good people and the things you can learn in that group is absolutely sensational. So, um, well yeah. done on the group and its intention and what it is at the moment. Like, I think it's it's absolutely amazing what you're doing. Thanks. And, and, you know, I think what, when, it, when it comes to moderating, what it's sort of come down to with some of those debates that have sort of sprung up from here, uh, here and there is just bringing you back to hyping ultimately. That's what people are there for. That's what we're yeah, interested in. Exactly. That's what we're there to talk about. You know, and hiking is a very broad topic. It you know, ranges from gear to, you know, place to, uh, to attitudes and all sorts of things. So, but, um, you know, bringing it back to hiking when things kind of go off track a little bit because Absolutely. that's what it's all about. And that's what, that's what people are there for. So you just mentioned talking about gear. Yeah. You've taken the really ballsy decision of to go mm. into the gear space in hiking, uh, particularly Merino gear, which is a pretty competitive space as it is with the icebreakers of the world, literally having a monopoly on the market to an extent. Um, yeah. Tell me about your, your new venture. Uh, again, back to origin story. How did the idea formulate? <laughs> what's it doing at the moment obviously with COVID-19 it's putting some restrictions on things like yeah just just give us the whole lot yeah well okay so this sort of started because I I love hiking and I'm a bit of a bit of a merino fanatic so I've been wearing merino now for what you know 10 12 years and I just love the stuff um you know I'm a sweaty guy so you know, it means that it, you know, it wicks the moisture um, easily and it doesn't get stinky or anything like that. And, you know, cotton is, is, is gross. And I've owned plenty of synthetic uh, tops in, in particular that have just gotten unwearable <laughs> because of the fact that they hold on to, to that odor and it kind of builds in and you get those yellow pits. And um, But, you know, so I'm a bit of a Merino fanatic. And, and as, I've, as I've shared on this podcast, you know, I, my background is in marketing and e-commerce. So I sort of I put these two things together and went, okay, I, w- I want to sort of see if I can combine these, these two areas of my life. Um, and actually, and actually do something. Um, and through various discussions in the group, you know, there seemed to be a bit of an opportunity. We've had discussions around locally made gear and um, and you know sustainability over sort of over sort of um, planned obsolescence and you know whatever it might be. And 
you know, that's where I, a few, I, I would have been maybe 18 months ago. That's where I sort of just started seeding a few things and asking a few questions and just understanding where people are at, um, seeing if there's a, there's an opportunity there. Um, and, you know, I, I'd, I'd identified a bit of an opportunity in the market through doing my research. Um, as, as you mentioned, Icebreaker, that's a major player in the Merino space. Um, in Australia, there are a few Australian made Merino brands. Um, obviously, Wilderness Wear is one of the big ones. Um, but, you know, I, I, I saw there, there being a bit of an opportunity and kind of validated that with the group and the response has been really positive and that's sort of where it's, uh, where it's gone. Um, yeah. Fantastic. And what's the, to begin with, what's the name of the, uh, the brand? So Otty Marino is the name. Fantastic. So I haven't actually shared the origins behind <sighs> the name and I may as well now. May as well do it now. Exclusives. Yes. Um, awesome. That's what we're yes. all about here at the Pursuit of the Outdoors podcast. <laughs> Lay it on me. <laughs> Okay, so the origins of the name, um, number one, it's five letters and really catchy as Oddie. Um, yep. It sort of rolls off the tongue. But there was a bloke back in the day, back in like the late 1800s and 1900s, um, called Otway Faulkner. And he was one of the grandpappies of um, Merino Wool in Australia. Yeah. So, uh, and his nickname was Ottie. So, um, so that's kind of where it came from. Well, it's just sort of trying to, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like, it shows a connection to the Australian Merino wool industry. Um, and, and the Australianness of this brand, by the way, is that, you know, the products are going to be made here in Australia, yep. up in Sydney, yep. um, by an ethical clothing Australia certified, um, manufacturer. So, you know, all the staff that make, um, these products are, are going to be looked after and they work in good conditions and all of that. So, you know, I, I, I sort of wanted to lay it on. I wanted to kind of build something I'd be proud of. Um, not just some, you know, Alibaba, or yeah. sorry, AliExpress source product yeah. that sort of I bring in for $10 and then sort of flog for 50. I wanted to create something that I'd be proud of that would um, would sort of resonate with the hiking community um, and ultimately, um, you know, serve, serve a purpose. Fantastic. And I mean, I think that's the point. Like it's, it's as you've just sort of pointed out there briefly, is it, it's easy for anyone in this day and age to get something in from AliExpress or Alibaba or whatever you want to call it and then, yeah, buy it for 10 sell it for 50 or whatever you're going to do it. But, I feel like, particularly in our community, again, back to the passionate discussion, people are so passionate mm. about where these things are coming from, how they're sourced ethically, uh, the people behind the manufacturing process, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's one thing in the discussions that have happened in the group about the product and you've asked questions and all that. That seems to be a continuing um, theme. And also, I, mm. I think the story behind it as well is going to be a good feel. I think in Australia, yes, we've got tall poppy syndrome and all that, and that will always be there. But I think a lot of people, particularly in our community, like to see um, people have a go at something and creating something that has all those um, elements to it and a really, really good story. And then I feel like back, to, I suppose it's, this is getting a little bit off topic. I suppose that, that then gets into <laughs> brand, but that's how brands I feel like Audie and, and other players in the market are going to be able to withstand the icebreakers of the world because I think it's fair to suggest, as I mentioned, they've got the monopoly on the market. They've been there. They've probably been around the longest. Um, mm. Obviously they're not um, manufacturing in Australia. So that's where your point of difference is, but people are going to be able to relate more to your brand. I feel anyway, to your brand than they are probably to icebreaker. And then even the, the Marina I'm selling through Brubeck, a lot of people have even said to me, I've worn icebreaker for so long. It's now starting to get holes and I'm looking for something else. Like people are looking for alternatives. So I think you've got mm. that up your sleeve it just then comes down to where you want to take it. I'm pretty sure in the conversations I've had with you, and I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but I'm pretty sure you're, you're not looking to compete with the icebreakers of the world. I think it's good to have your mind 
on them. Like obviously they're there, but I feel like you, you don't need to compete with them. You're going to be in a local market anyway and where people yeah. are looking for that point of difference. Yeah, and I'd, you know, hey, I'd love to, to sell in New Zealand and yeah. across the world and all of that, but that's it. I have no real great aspirations to turn it into another icebreaker that sells to a uh, to a private equity firm for yeah. $200 million or whatever it was. Um, you sure about that? that? Uh, happened with, with, <laughs> $200 million with sounds well, pretty yeah, good, dude. <laughs> I guess if you got offered it, you know, you'd be hard to pass it up. But, um, <laughs> but no, no I, w- I want to create something that I'm proud of. Um, yeah, you know, of it's, it's, it's something that leverages my background and skills and, yeah. and you know, I just want to go out there and do my own thing, um, you know, uh, and you know if I can do that sort of while it's tied to my interest in hiking and sort of uh, and it's something that's interesting to the community, um, you know that's that's something I sort of want to do. Um, and you know I, in the discussions in in the group we um, we absolutely see um, people advocating and championing those championing those local brands. Yeah. You know think of Strive Food down in, yeah. in Hobart. You yep. know um, you know. Um, that people people love the stuff and yeah. you know the conversation tends to be uh you know oh, don't worry about that bcc stuff you know get onto stripe yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and we've got tier gear and you know various other uh brands that sort of um uh, you know well regarded in the group yeah. one planet mont and yep, so on absolutely um and obviously with the restrictions in um covid19 at the moment i know you were like i'm pretty sure the last time we spoke was in person you were like weeks away from uh, at least <laughs> trialing the product. And I know you've been doing a little bit in like the little um, state approved walks, as you call it, uh, around <laughs> your local neighborhood. But like, where's the product at at the moment in terms of launch? So where's the product at at the moment? Um, so I'm pretty much wearing it every day. Nice. So my, my, my work from home gear is, oh, funnily enough, a pair of icebreaker shorts. But, yep. you know, there's no other merino shorts on the on the market, really. So yep. I, I don't feel so bad. Yep. Um, and, and one of these sample tees. So, um, you know, I'm actually writing a blog at the moment, which will be the first that I publish through Oddy over at oddy.com.au. Um, and, you know, it talks about what I'm doing to test the product, yep. considering I can't actually get out there on the hills with a heavy pack on my back. So, um, you know, lots of urban hiking in my local area, you know, sitting at a computer on Zoom all day. Yep. You know, this is the testing regime it's going through at the moment. <laughs> so that website's live? Uh, yeah, so you go to oddie.com, so O-T-T-I-E.com.au at the moment, just hit a um, email sign-up form. Yep. Um, the, the site will be, I'll, I'll probably launch it in the next few weeks, yep. um, and there'll be some content on there. So nothing will be for sale yet. Yep. We're still working on, on the product before we launch it. Um, but, you know, you'll be able to go there and read about the uh, the testing that this uh, product uh, uh, goes through. Yeah, that's fantastic. Mate, that, that's really cool. Like I said, I think a lot of people are going to resonate with it. Um I mean, I, as I said, like, I love those stories. I love hearing about people having a crack at, uh, at something in the industry that you've found an opportunity somewhere after doing extensive research. And given what I know, what sort of person you are, I'm pretty sure that research would have been like long hours into the night and lots of Google searches <laughs> and who's doing what here and there and where they're getting their stuff from. So I have no doubt that this will have a really positive impact on the, on the community. And I, I'm really looking forward to see what happens when it launches and the, and the reaction you get. I mean, it's obviously going to be a long play. I think you, you know, you're smart enough to know that. Um, but it's going to be yeah really interesting to watch how it plays out over the, the coming months and you know and the coming years, I suppose. So congratulations on it and um, good luck Thank with you. it all. Yeah. Cheers. One last Cheers. question. And you know what, yeah. Go ahead. Oops, sorry. And, sorry. and I was just going to just going to say, you know, the current conditions, you know, with what we're living through, I'm I'm still really confident. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that we've selected an Australian manufacturer, you know, obviously sort of ticks a lot of boxes. Yeah, um, so I'm really really pleased with that decision. So, uh, no, no, onwards and upwards. 
One last question, mate, before we wrap up. Yeah. Isolation and quarantine. What are you, how are you dealing with it um, from a hiking point of view? You've touched on little bits here and there, like, you know, the Oddie blog and a few other state-approved walks, but, like, what other things you've been up to? Well, I'm, I'm heeding my own advice and everyone who's listening, or a lot of people who are listening to this have probably seen the tagged post at the top of the group, which yep. is stay home, stay don't home. go hiking. Um, and, you know, that's that's pretty much it. You know, I'm at home most of the day. Yep. I go for a, a short walk in the morning and a longer walk in the afternoon and keep yep. away from people and don't leave my local area and trying to do all the good stuff. So, um, but, uh, you know, I'm really, really hankering out there and visit Brisbane Ranges or head up to the Dandenong or out to Cathedral Ranges or something like that. I just can't wait till till I can do that again. But um, making the most of the situation closer to home. Um, mixing it up each each walk as well. So, you know, if I could provide a tip to people who are going for walks in their local area, mix it up a bit. Um, yep. If you do the same walk every day, it becomes a bit monotonous. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, go down that other street um you know map your walk like a lot of people are doing using strava and google maps and the like and create funny pictures using the streets of your area um just you know just try new things and and just kind of quite keep it interesting and have some fun with it really let's be honest i mean as you pointed out like we all want to get out of the cathedral ranges or some of these places here in victoria and obviously we can't but uh, i think there's um there's no issue with, you know, going out and doing, you know, three laps of your block or just creating these random trails across the pavement, like, and have some fun with it. And as you said, post photos and just, just really just take the piss. So, you know, just have a bit of fun with it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And call it, don't call it walking, call it urban hiking. Urban yeah, hiking. Or interesting and adventurous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do what you can as it to make it really interesting. Mate, yeah. thank you so much. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there. Like I've got so much out of that and I've learned, like I thought I knew a lot about you and I feel like I do, but at the same time, I feel like every time I chat to you, I was learning something different. Like the whole thing about your first overnighter was in another country. I think that's, that's just blown my mind. Like I thought me doing the hike through Warburton as my first overnighter was crazy. Like this just goes to a whole nother level. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a long time coming to this podcast. I feel like we've always sort of spoken about it. We've never been able to get around to do it. And you know, you're busy, I'm busy. You know, things are happening. So I really appreciate um, you're coming on today and having a chat and uh, being able to share some of your experiences and your history around your story and Oddie and, and the Facebook group and everything else that's gone along with your journey. And um, yeah, really looking forward to seeing where it all, all goes from here. It's my pleasure, John. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Um, no, it's been, it's really, been really fun. And now I think I've got to go off and uh, approve some new members in the group. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I looked at the notifications today. There's like 20 people there. But there are people who don't a- uh, um, answer the questions. It's like, well, do I oh. kick you out? Do I not? Like, I don't know. Okay, can I, can I just use this opportunity to put a public service announcement out there? Go um, so when you join the group, you ask three questions. Please answer them yeah. as it says, because this is how we determine whether you're a spammer and whether you're local yes. or not. If you don't answer them, we're probably going to decline you. So yep. please, please, pretty please uh, fill it in. It's that fascist dictator approach that you take with everything. In that group. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's it. Ple- <laughs> pleading with people. <laughs> yep, that's totally. That's it. Listen to me. <laughs> All right, guys. That was episode 26 of the Pursuit of the Outdoors podcast. Thank you very much to Paul Goodsell for coming on. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and obviously the website there at www.thehikingsociety.com and you can subscribe and listen to this podcast on all major podcast platforms including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So enjoy your day and we'll see you next time.
Bye. <laughs>